Hey everybody, welcome to The Blacklist, the show where we interview the elite. Today we have a special treat. We have Chris Deaver and Ian Clausen of Brave Core, and I'm super excited because they have an amazing story coming from Apple to what they're doing at Brave Core. Um, they're essentially culture shapers, right? That's what you guys call yourselves? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and I love that because when I first spoke to them, I was like, holy crap, the, world's need, the world needs more of this, especially now, right? It's like so divided. I think you guys uh, just bridge the gap for a lot of these things. So for the people that don't know you, this is their first time listening, right? Who is, what is Brave Core? Yeah, so- Really simply, and first, thanks, Ulysses, for having us on. Really excited to be here. Uh, to put it simply, it's, you know, we're interested in making leaders, you know, helping leaders be more creative. Yeah. And uh, creatives be better leaders. And when you think about it, we're all, we're all creative at heart. Yeah. And we believe in a future that is, uh, it is, it is creative. And it, and it requires these, this kind of passion that we have that, that most people want to unlock, right? The world is, you know, we're in a time where people are pretty burned out. You know, they're feeling like, you know, maybe they have a toxic boss or it's a struggle, yep. right? And and frankly, you know, creativity doesn't exist in the workplace. Yeah. It's mitigated. Yep. So, you know, the, the future workforce, everyone's craving for creative expression. They want to be able to, you know, cultivate something that they could be proud of and build something within a team. And so we've designed some principles behind co-creation. Yep. Because that was something I was going to ask you. Like a big part of what you guys do is co-creation, right? And what's different from co-creation to what's, you know, normally out there? Right. So for the longest time, you know, everyone's heard work hard, you know, and that's still part of the equation. But then with the knowledge worker, it became you need to work smarter. Yep. So people were waking up at 4.30 a.m., you know, uh, they're taking cold showers. They're trying to optimize their effectiveness. Yeah. And so the core competency really that is going to be part of this next wave of work is working together. So, you know, it's, a, it's not only a deep understanding of that, it's a skill set that most people, frankly, don't know how to approach effectively. Right, right. So how do you approach it effectively? Because I agree. I think most uh, businesses nowadays, uh, it's, it's more of a dictatorship. You know, it's definitely not co-creation. It's uh, this is what I want. This is what I say. And this is what happens. Uh, but that's not usually what, you know, moves the needle. Yeah. If you step back and you look at really kind of what's happening in people's lives uh, and in leadership, right. In their work environment, there's a general baseline of fear. Right. Right. And this fear underlies kind of everything we do or we experience. And it's a default setting. Yep. Right. And it could be fear of, Hey, this is something like there could be real fear where it's like, Hey, I'm scared of that you know, a snake or whatever, but that's not really what it is. Usually it's fear of the unknown, right? It's a, it's, it's a sense of concern that, whoa, the boss is going to show up. He's going to hold me right. accountable, you know? <laughs> yeah. and, and by the way, they do, right? And we yeah. have a lot of bad bosses. <laughs> if you ask anybody, you're going to find that like, you know, about a hundred percent of people have had a bad boss before, yeah. right? It's yeah. real. But we look at it like, okay, so if, the, if fear's the baseline, what's the way out? Right. And the way out really is being brave. And if you're brave, you can start to shape your future. Yeah. Now, the challenge becomes is what has happened over time. And to Ian's point, there's been a big push for effectiveness, right? And habits and, you know, optimization, which is not bad, right? These are all good things, right? right? right. We, we need to get good at being good, yep. right? At doing, doing things well. But what happens is the problem starts when that is the end game where people say, okay, and I'm done. Mm. 
And the reality is that just doesn't match the future. The future is, is one that requires co-creation. And so we've got to get to this next level, which is being brave together. Yeah. Right. And how we partner, how we collaborate, how we co-create, and even more so in a world that's far more remote than it was before. Yeah. Walk me through, um, you know, that your, your thought process of this while you guys, you know, were at Apple, because that's a, that's a big part of the story. Um, and I feel like you guys have written a lot of, you know, articles that have come out in Fortune, Fast Company, right, about this stuff. And I think it's very, very important for a lot of people to know, but there's obviously a backstory to it, right? So Yeah, so the shorthand, there's a shorthand. One is you could look at the life of Steve Jobs, yeah, right? And a lot of people do. There's been a lot of books written about this. Yeah. A lot of hot takes on, well, you know, in movies, right? You've seen it. And it's, it's usually very specific about the early days of his career. And it's kind of a version of an abrasive person right. that, you know, people take these behaviors and they're like, wow, that's what a leader is, right? They're hardcore and they push, you know, push people. <laughs> and the reality is, is like, and if you asked Ed Catmull, who worked with Steve for the longest of any other person, 26 years, he would say, yeah, that's not the Steve I really knew over time, right? Yeah. What happened was he was on a, hero, a classic hero's journey and you had this kind of rough Steve to begin with. But what happened over time was, you know, of course he, he got married, you know, had kids. He got, he got fired, fired before they got fired from his own company, <laughs> right? A kick right. in the teeth. That's, I mean, he was, it was existential, right? Yeah. It was like he was wiped out and he felt like he wanted to leave the valley. So he's kicked out of his kingdom. He's in the wilderness, right? And this question arises, like, what do I do with myself? He gets married, you know, has kids. This helps kind of settle him down. But he also starts next in Pixar. And he's on this journey where he learns how to be more empathic, right? What compassion is. And all of this positioned him to go back to Apple and to help transform this company. Now, the interesting thing is I, we got, I got there. We, you know, we're, we're doing this work you know, 2015, 2016, 2017. Yeah. What we're finding there is that, well, yeah, but there's these people who, you know, there's a lot of leaders who are great. They're just fundamentally amazing, right? And there's no question because it shows up in their products, right? They're amazing. But what we also saw was there were other leaders who were kind of borrowing this, ver this earlier version of Steve. Mimicking. Yeah. Rough Steve, right? right? And you could even say fake Steve. Yeah. It was a caricature of him. And they're saying, yeah, we show up in meetings, we humiliate everybody. And, you know, and they would just do it. They wouldn't even say that, just do it, right? Yeah. And people come out of it and they're just burned out. And, they, you know, and we thought, well, this isn't real. And by the way, it's not changed Steve. Changed Steve that changed the company was a different person than that. And so we realized that was part of the story. And in a holistic way, it was, well, we're good at, you know, Apple. Everybody knows Apple for being, you know, thinking different. Yeah. Right. Uh, and by the way, that was a step up from the baseline, which was IBM, which was think, right? Hey, we <laughs> right. All, we're all good at think, right? But Apple was like, we think different. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We have a variety of voices. <laughs> and, you know, that was, that was fundamentally about innovation, right? Yeah. We, create, we create things. And that's, that's all good. What we realized was aligning with this kind of fake Steve to change Steve notion was, well, change Steve got really good at something else. And these leaders weren't seeing it, many of them. And we saw it with, you know, AirPods, we were developing those and, and there was friction and we got to the end of the road and it was like, oh, there's so much burnout. People are like, I'm not working with that person anymore. It's, we're done, you know? Yeah. Uh, we saw it with iPhone and what we realized was we needed a culture shift. We needed to shape this culture in the same way that Steve was shaped, yeah. right? That it was on its own kind of classic hero's journey. 
And that journey was, we've got to get to this next level as a culture. And what is that next level? Well, we realized it's, it goes beyond even thinking different. Now, that's a sacred cow. You don't challenge that at Apple. Well, maybe you do, right? Maybe we did. And so we offered that. We partnered with leaders, and we redefined not, we didn't take away think different. We said, well, maybe it's, it's higher than that. But we keep that in place, and we say it's, it's about working different together. Yeah. And that became kind of the calling of the future for Apple. And, you know, it helped shape what became AirPods Pro, uh, the next iterations of iPhones. And we had teams coming together in, in brain trusts and councils and partnership that was amplifying more than it ever had before. And part of it we learned, you know, from the example of Pixar. And, you know, Ian could probably share a little more about that. You know? Right, yeah. So when we were wrestling with, you know, this question of leadership, what kind of leadership is going to take us into the future? We've always been a longstanding fan of Stephen Covey's work, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Yeah. And what he created essentially was this ecosystem and a set of principles that are timeless. Where our work differs is we kind of zoom out and along the lines of what he said with Pixar and how much we love Creativity Inc. as well, you know, this notion of a brain trust. And now that applies to a creative studio. So we're asking these deep fundamental questions. Okay, well, if a brain trust can operate the way they do to crank out these killer movies like Pixar does. Yeah. Why can't other businesses do the same? Right, right. And so we're sitting here looking at timeless principles and this notion of creativity. And we're like, well, you know, Covey's principles were very prescriptive. And so what we set out to do is, is Chris and I, we don't have all the answers, but we look up to a lot of people that we admire, yeah. such as Ed Catmull. So we had an interaction with him and what, what came out of a 30 minute meeting turned into three hours and we walked away with a principle that was not mentioned in his book, yeah. lead with a question. And it, it just stuck with us. And so what we noticed is this need for what we call meta principles. So many self-help books or business books are so prescriptive. They tell you, if you do X, Y, and Z, you're going to find success. Yep, yep. And so we're like, okay, <laughs> this future of creative people, co-creative teams, they're not going to go for this prescriptive letter of the law stuff. Yeah. And so what we decided is what's needed are meta principles. And so they're directional. So for example, lead with a question. It's directional to the point where instead of leading with answers, where you're the know-it-all, yeah. you have all the answers, you lead with a question. Yeah. And that leads to wisdom because it invites other people to interact and populate that answer. Yeah. Create something beautiful together. And so with meta principles, we, we, we really hone in on the fact that it's directional. And so that's what we're developing in our book currently. And uh, we just got a book deal. Yep. Congratulations. So heads down. Thank you. You know, we're in the thick of this material. Yeah. Um, and it's exciting times. But we also, we feel, we feel the weight of the work as well. Yeah. But you guys do amazing in articulating your thoughts right? Like you guys are great storytellers for one. Um, one thing that I want to mention before we dive into the book, because I actually really want to talk about that, is 
you know, you guys are, are, you both speak as if you guys are not the experts, but like, you know, I think, I think we all know, like you guys are very much ingrained in that, right? We're passionate. Yeah. You, you guys say we, you know, you know, you guys talk a lot about the company as in its whole, um, there's no I, right. When I'm, when I'm listening to this, when something like, you know, like something relevant like this happens where, for example, Elon Musk buys Twitter, right. And I think there's a major culture shift happening. Big time. I want to go to people like you guys to see, hey, what can be done, right? So what are your guys' thoughts? I think it's re- very relevant, uh, you know, for this time. Well, for one, we're not approaching HR department saying, we're trying to convince C-level leadership, hey, we need to convince you that you need to change. Yeah. We're hoping to inspire the rising generation of leaders. The people that are quiet quitting or part of this great, resignation yeah job hopping because one culture you know the grass isn't always greener on the other side they join you know with all the promises of their benefits package and the experience is similar so we have this fundamental problem with the way leadership functions in today's world yeah and adding to that you know if we look at really well the tech industry in general right there's all the layoffs yeah massive disruption happening and i have friends that you know meta or Facebook, call it what you will, Apple, Amazon, all these places. And it's hitting all at the same time. Yeah. It's actually fundamental or maybe even existential where we're saying, hey, <clears throat> this may be the first time in tech history, right? Outside of like the dot-com boom uh, where there's this level of disruption. And it's, you know, it's going to rip, it's rippling through other industries. We know this. Uh, and the thing that could get lost in all this, right? Because about six or eight months ago, we were just talking about the great resignation, mm-hmm. right? Where everybody has all this power to choose where they want to work. Now yep. we're talking about layoffs. Yep. <laughs> right? It's a little schizophrenic, isn't it? Right. right? So, and what it just shows the us power is shift. it's a power struggle, right? Mm. Employees, employers, who's got the power? Yep. Well, it's a bit of a prisoner's dilemma. They're fighting over the power. But the, the answer to the question is, is leadership yep. on, on both sides where we say, yeah, leaders in companies, they've got to shape culture. They haven't asked themselves these questions. These are fundamental, though. If you were to ask Steve Jobs, you know, and change Steve, what's your, what's your favorite product that you've ever created? He wouldn't say iPod. He wouldn't say iPhone, despite the billions of dollars that it's created. Yeah. He would say the culture. <laughs> Ed Catmull would say the exact same thing. That's what he spent all of his time building. Because if you build a culture, this is the gift that, this is the gift that keeps on giving. This is the perpetual motion machine. Yeah. The one that Da Vinci tried to create didn't work out. Te- Nikola Tesla allegedly tried to create. We haven't seen it yet. But this is the way you do it. You create a culture that is co-creative and it has this, this perpetual energy. Now, Apple, we had to do that extra work to make that happen. And, you know, it's all, these are always a work in progress. But there are, qu- there are companies who have not asked themselves these fundamental questions. Now, look at Apple right now. Well, they're valued as much as Alphabet, uh, Amazon, you know, uh, Meta combined now. Yeah. Right. And after, even with this down, this, you know, downturn in the economy, well, there's a reason for that. Now, the, the question of like, what do we do about all this? Right. How do we influence this? I think that's a great question. And first we probably have to start with intention, which is this, what we call the mirror test and where leaders step back and everybody, quite frankly, um, who wants to lead in their career, right? In their work, in their life. And they ask themselves these fundamental questions, which is, you know, kind of like Steve did, right? A kick in the teeth. Right. And you say, well, 
I have different ways I can respond to this. And you, but you can't look left or right. And, you know, best practices or what somebody else is doing, their system of success, it may not be what you need right now. Yeah. It's going to be a question of what do I need to do differently? Now, along with that, we also believe fundamentally that the future is not self-made. And I'll say that again, because it's so important. The future is not self-made, it's shared. Yeah. And everybody knows that. Everybody that's ever played for a team that wins a championship yeah. knows that, right? Yeah. And, or a successful business like you've experienced, right? Yeah. People who do this, they, they know that that is fundamentally true. Uh, and by the way, adding to that is this other reality, which is a lot of leaders got stuck in the wrong game. And what, and what game was that? They got stuck looking at the scoreboard. Got it. And, it, you know, and I've been a coach, right? And if you're a coach, I coach my, my son's basketball team. You could argue that, you know, what kind of coach I was. But <laughs> we, ended, we, we, we did end up winning the championship at the end. Yeah. We were terrible, but we got there. Yeah. And, you know, it was a little messy, but sometimes it is. Here's the thing. What I realized was a lot of these coaches were just staring at the scoreboard the entire time. And if you studied the greatest coaches of, of all time, and, you know, I don't count myself among them, but, you know, Coach K, right? John Wooden, right. UCLA, Steve Kerr. We had him come speak at a thing recently, heard from him. They think about the team, yeah. the fundamentals. They think about what's the culture like, yeah. right? How can I collaborate with these guys? And then they build something. And so this part has been missed. And what was, what was happening was there was a constancy about, let's say, a distraction towards the wrong thing. And it might have been a met metrics that were just financial. Yeah. It might have been metrics that were social that didn't matter in the end. You know, if you're just focused on performance and results, you, you could stare at a computer all day long. You can try to crunch the numbers in a spreadsheet, but connecting the dots with people is what makes things happen. And so one of the patterns that we're developing in our book is called the hero sacrifice. So many books out there and podcasts talk about the hero's journey. You're so right. Yeah. And so the hero's journey is, it's very attracting. Yeah, right? it is. You, you know, you, you, you want to be the hero after you slayed the dragon. Yeah. You want to reap the rewards of the treasure. You want to get the girl. You want to be successful. You want to have everyone love you. That's the hero's journey. But at the core of it requires sacrifice. Yeah. And all the best stories depict a great sacrifice. And so one of the things we recognize is the fact that this concept of sacrifice is missed in this generation because it's external. People think, okay, if I'm going to sacrifice, I'm going to sacrifice my time. I'm going to give this person 15 minutes or I'm going to go and be a part of this party that I didn't want to attend, right? That's mm -hmm. a sacrifice. Yep, it's all yep. external. But back to the mirror test, if you if you actually do the hero sacrifice properly, it's going to be something deeply personal. It's going to be a flaw, something that you need to shave off. In this culture that we live in for success, you know, everyone thinks that you have to add, you have to do, you have to start something new. Really, it's all about stopping. Yeah. You know, taking a deep look in that mirror and figuring out what do I need to do differently? And perhaps that's, you could take the question further. What do I need to stop? Yeah. That's, you know, prohibiting me 
from achieving the things that I can with others. Right. And usually those barriers are tied to fear. We're afraid. We're afraid of others. And so we're guarded, right? So a lot of these principles that we're trying to feature in this book cover these elements that help kind of like peel back layers to things that we know deep down inside are true. Yeah. And guess what? It's hard. This yeah. is all hard work. Yeah. And just to highlight two contexts with that is, you know, if you take an example, there was a, a leader at Apple who has had a rather large team. They have a lot of impact on the products. They work on, they touch all the products, iPhones, MacBooks, you know, Air, AirPods, all of it. And at one point when I started working with him, and he was pretty well known, but it was a question of like, can he collaborate? Can he co-create at the next level? Can he be successful? And what we found was he was very introverted and he didn't really want to do that. He felt like he wanted to be in the lab, right? Yeah. But he has a team of a hundred people who also need to be collaborating. So I'm sitting there with him in conversation. He's a really nice guy and he's brilliant. Uh, he's got a stack of, you know, patents, platinum plaques. Most people put these on their walls, right? Because these are a big deal. He has a stack of them. They hit his, they hit his ceiling. He never opens them. Yeah. I'm like, dude, are you going to ever open those? <laughs> no, it's fine. You know, and they're so, relics of the past now. Yeah, yeah. So I'm asking him about, we're asking him about it. Hey, well, uh, you know, how, what about collaboration? Well, yeah, I, I do some of that, but like, so do you connect with these other teams? Do you reach out? You know, do you have regular one-on-ones? No, I, I just kind of, you know, I, I do my work. I'm like, and then when I need to connect, I do. How's that working for you? Uh, it's, you know, pretty good. But I have this challenge with other teams. It doesn't quite work, you know, as well as I want. Okay, what, what, what would that take? And by the way, let's paint a future, right, where you're, not, where you're still not doing that. How's that going for your team? Well, we're still having the same friction. There's problems, <laughs> right? We're thinking different because we're doing it on our own, but we're not doing it together, right, across the company yeah. to build these amazing products, right, that we have to pull out of the ether, right, that don't exist yet. Well, he actually, kudos to him, he took it on and he amplified. He got better at collaboration. He got better at co-creation. I was just at Apple Park the other day. We had lunch. We're talking about it. And he's created a council, right? Yeah. A partner. And they're charting the future of wireless, right? 5G, 6G, whatever comes next. Yeah. And I can't tell you about it. products they're working on because those are, you know, top secret. And I, you know, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I, I like, you know, uh, yeah, keep, keep that under the wraps. But the reality is, is like, it's amazing what can happen. And now the other fact that happened was the feedback for him is universally positive. This guy kills it with collaboration. And now if you look at a personal example, well, there's people we know, right? That personally, they just said to themselves, hey, I lost my job or I, I want to change into something. I want to do something else, right? And they, they asked themselves that existential question. But the ones that don't, right? If they just stay the same, no, they're just going to bounce from things, right? And they'll bounce from another thing or another thing. But if they go through that difficult they're sacrifice. They're not facing the dragon. They're not doing it, right? And, right, and, and yeah. no, But nobody, nobody, likes top, nobody likes thinking about being the Frodo carrying the ring <laughs> yeah. up to the lava pit, right? It's yeah. like, that sucks. It's hard, right? And it does. But the pain turns into power. for your. It's fuel for the future, right? And then those that do can become and they can create things and they can, you know, as Steve would say, you can put a dent in the universe. You can poke yeah. it and it turns into things. Yeah. So what's the title of the book? Can you guys share that? Because you shared it with me outside, but can you guys share that now or no? Yeah. It's uh, Brave Together. Yeah, Brave Together. I, I love that. Because um, that's like the whole core message of, of everything, right? It's co-creation. 
being brave about it. You guys were just talking about it right now, right? It's hard. It's not easy. Um, and I, I do think it is very difficult for, at least for people that are trying to accomplish great things, it's hard to stop and look to see, you know, if, if we're doing things correctly or not, right? Because I think people that are successful at some level have, have an ego, you know? Um, so how, how does it work when somebody ends up working with you guys? Um, what, what, what transformation are they looking to achieve? Because, you know, this entire conversation, it's great about co-creation and things like that. But what's the end result that ends up happening? Well, if you look at companies, and we've looked at these holistically, we have a, a big subset of, you know, creators. We, we have partners that, you know, 30,000 creators that can reach out right. to you and ask these kinds of questions. And also partner companies that they've worked with and we've worked with as well. And if you track what happens culturally, it when you have the right elements in place, simple building blocks, yeah, right? Collaboration, brain trust. Brain trust is, it's not, hey, I'm just going to call this person when I need something, right? Transactional. No, no, no. It's like that leader at Apple had said, actually, we're going to make a commitment to yeah. a weekly meeting. We all sit down. It's egos off the table, to your point. It's building blocks on the table. And what happens is you actually check these cultures. If you pulse check them, you know, they're pretty high scores as far as internal culture. People, yeah. People feel good about what they do. Yeah. You know, let's say it's the 80s or 90s. It's pretty high, right? Relatively speaking. What is that difference between those and the cultures that are in the 60s or 70s where they don't have as much collaboration? Right. They're not. They're braving it alone, right? And there's silos in companies, right? People get good at verticals and they stick with it, right? Functionally. And they're like, I'm good at that. Right. But it doesn't, when it doesn't connect horizontally, that becomes problematic. And the difference between that 10 to 20% is 10x in growth, in financial insane. impact. Yeah. It's insane. An example of this, Nike, right? Compa we literally have charts that show this. Nike and, Nike and Adidas, if you compare them to- Don't talk about Adidas now. Okay, I'm not talking about Adidas <laughs> now, but we'll, we'll, we'll stick, we're going to stick with Nike. Okay? Yeah. Yeah, because there are other factors involved in that. <laughs> Let's stick with Nike, okay? Um, you compare that, you know, look at Skechers or, you know, Asics. Yeah. Their scores, you know, as far as, you know, culture, not as high, right? And the difference is 10x. And so just imagine that. It's like, well, if we put a 10 to 20%, and now it's not that small, but it's a sacrifice. If we're going to sacrifice, you know, and the impact, we know it's going to be there. And by the way, the companies that are the best at this. They don't even talk financials usually on the way in, right? The input is not a financial. The input is we're going to make the most amazing products and services for people and then watch what happens. And how can we remove boundaries and barriers for our people to create amazing things. Yeah. Right. So once again, it's, it's external, you know, people have approached culture. Now it's a buzzword. We've thought long and hard and deep about culture, but people are slapping it on their, their title. They're slapping it upon a new program. Yep. Yep. But the difference is this, an external program you're, you're seeking resources. A leader sitting in his chair in his office is like, I need to hire somebody to come and do something for my culture. It never translates. Those yeah. programs fall apart. What you do is you unlock creativity among your people. You help them see the future. You help them see what's capable among their team. And you remove those barriers. You, you actually throw in resources so that they can get to building. Yeah, you also yeah, you also get clear about what are your, you know, a lot of engineers talk this way. So Elon Musk, other engineers at Apple, pick a company. Right. They talk about first principles. Like when they start to solve a problem, they don't just look at the surface stuff. They actually say, what are the fundamental principles on which we can build? 
And then they, then they can start to build a rocket that can self land. Right. Yeah. And these kinds of things that were impossible by right. any other standard. Yeah. And so, but you know, leaders have talked this way in some cases about products like that, right. As far as development or engineering, but it's rare for them to talk this way about culture and say, what are the first principles, the fundamentals of your culture? And not just that, but what are the first principles of your culture that are true today? They're going to be true 10, 20, a hundred, a thousand years in the future. Right. And if you build based on those principles, what could happen then? Yeah. Right. You want to bake magic into your company and your culture. In, in principles, they're, they're not a policy. You know, it's not like you have to adhere to this policy. You actually can't design culture. Yeah. You can influence culture if you're a good boss, if you're a bad boss, right? There's, there's different types of influence that could happen within your team. But so I'll give you one of those. So we were in Apple, we're talking to a guy and he runs a team of 4,000 engineers. And, you know, we asked him, how do you think about your job? He says, I'm a coach. Okay. Tell us more. Well, I like to get in a room, have conversations with people, go deep and not really bring my ego. He goes, actually, I think about their ideas like their kids and my ideas are like my kids. He goes, and if I care as much or more about their kids as I do about mine, then guess what? Magic is going to happen. Yeah. The stuff that emerges in this room is going to be different from what either of us even knew before we came in the room. A meeting becomes a revelation, right? Yeah. And then, he, and then we, we, we asked him for a, a little more to clar- clarify that or crystallize it down to a principle. He said, I think about it this way. He goes, you know, a lot of people are down on bias, you know, and, and it's true. Like there can be negative bias. There's no question. And we have training for that. He goes, but he goes, I think about it this way. I need to be biased towards other people, towards their ideas. So I'm Imagine advocating, a world like that. I'm advocating for their yeah. ideas, right? And even in cases where you disagree, where you might say, you know what, I'm at least open to change my mind. Like we may not get there, but I'm doing everything I can to get there. Yeah. So that became one of the first principles of, of their future. Be biased towards others' ideas. I and, love that. And it's really, it's empathy, right? Or compassion, you could say. I, and uh, I agree because I think in a lot of meetings, it's very much an agenda base. There's one person leading the meeting and it's like, hey, did you get this done? Did you not get this done? Right. It, there's no creativity there. There's no co-creation. And if, if a boss or sorry, not a boss, if a leader truly wants performance, then they have to go with co-creation. If they truly want it, the stats show it, right? Everything shows it. <laughs> but they're so stuck on, like you guys mentioned, the scoreboard. They're so stuck on that hero's journey that they're not giving the sacrifice to the point where it's like, hey, we're all in this together. The goal is to create great products, not just improve our financials. Because yeah. if you do, you know, improve the product, naturally, it's going to, you know, you'll most likely end up, you know, improving the bottom line. Yeah. And the best test of this is very simple for us, right? Everybody has something they love to do, right? It may be a passion even outside of work, right? They, yeah. they love to make music, they love to draw, right? They love to play sports. But what happens really in those moments? They're in the zone, right? There's a flow, right? And, and then what happens in that? Well, you lose track of time because it becomes timeless. Right. But how often do we get into that place where it's shared, right? And, and if you study, you know, some of the greatest teams, right? Na- uh, Navy SEALs, they do this. They, they have what it's really shared flow, right? It's group flow, shared flow. We, we think of it as shared flow. And what happens is this whole team operates as one. Yeah. And you see it as energy. It's energy. Shared energy. Right. And then then the question becomes, can you design that in? Can you actually get, now 
the SEALs have a challenge, though, of actually figuring out how do we select for that? Like, they don't really know still, right? Yeah. Um, sports teams don't always know. Uh, even, and then companies, it's even worse. It's challenging, right? It's like, how do we, and then by the way, do right. people, but this is the disconnect, right? Because leaders, first of all, not even asking themselves the question if they care about how people feel. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, we got to start with that. Right. <laughs> but then far beyond that is this stuff we're talking about, which is what if it's a, what if, right? What if in a meeting we felt that way? What right. if we felt like we were in the zone together and we're building stuff that's just emerging out of the ether that is killer, right? Products. Instead of hating the meetings. Right. Because right. It, a lot of people are like, oh, that could have been sent in an email. Im- that's ima- because you're somebody's telling somebody <laughs> something, right? Yeah. I- imagine getting a challenging question from your boss, something that's going to affect the business. Yeah. Something that could turn into a potential product. Right. But if you get that email a week before me, and then all of a sudden your eight team members show up, they've had time to chew on yeah. the, the thought. Yeah. They're bringing their insights. They're bringing their creative ideas. It becomes an upload session instead of a boss download session. Exactly. Yeah. I love that. So when is the book coming out? TBD. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> all right. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you both being on the show. Um, is there any final words that you'd like for, you know, anybody to hear before we, uh, well, yeah, there's, uh, you can check out our website. It's uh, www.bravecore.co, C-O. Yep. And there's a lot of artifacts on the site. There's, you know, some articles we've written. We actually have a podcast called Lead with a Question. Yeah. You can find it on any platform. Um, but we're just, we're just excited to get our message out. And we're excited to connect with people that have a similar energy. We want to have the shared flow. Yeah. And then what about personally? Where can people find you both personally? LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Yeah. yeah. LinkedIn's a great place. Yeah. We love to connect. I mean, we, we have that, you know, co-creative uh, spirit and we're interested in, you know, uh, people being brave and, you know, t- together. And we believe the future is co-creative. Like we can, we can do this. Right. I think the other thing is, is I think of that moment in X-Men, right. Where he's, uh, you know, days of future past. My favorite moment is, you know, past uh, Professor X or future, sorry, future Professor X talking to past Professor Mm. X. And he's like, we need you to hope again, right? How much have we been through this past whatever, right? Years, right? And the struggles, right? And there's people who have had close family members die. They've had financial, you know, turnover. They've had layoffs, right? And in the midst of all of it, there's people who are just saying, I want to reject that whole system, right? I don't want to go back to that. And that's actually a lot of what we're seeing. We need people to hope. That's what we're hoping to inspire and others. Well, I love that. Thank you both for, you know, stopping by. I appreciate it. You guys crushed it. Thanks, Ulysses. Thanks. Great to be here. Yeah.